Welcome to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. We're a church in Gahanna, Ohio, that exists to help people find and follow God. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you discover how much God really loves you. Well, good morning. My name is Joel Trainer, and I get to be the pastor here at Three Creeks, and I just want to wish you a happy Easter. Um, uh, thank you, Austin. Uh, I am not that old, but I'm old enough to appreciate this. He is risen. Yeah, I've just uh, been around just long enough to still appreciate that. Today, in Denmark, they are saying, Christus er openstanden. And in Ethiopia, they're saying, Christos tensa em mutan. And in the country that I grew up in, Gabon, they're saying, Le Christ est ressuscité. And in Italy, this is the one I'm most excited about. Christo est risorto. In Korea, I know I will butcher this one. Christo gesso. And in the Ukraine today, they're saying, Christos Vosres, Jesus Christ is risen. And it's pretty wild when you think about this part of the story, because a couple weeks after Jesus resurrected from the dead, there were only 120 people that followed him, that believed that it was true. None of them were really all that powerful. None of them had a lot of money, and yet... Christianity, the Bible says, and all the secular history books confirm it, that Christianity grew like crazy, that it spread all over the world. The Bible says that thousands and thousands of people were added to their number daily. And today, friends, there are 2.382 billion people on the planet celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. The Christian church is by far the largest organization on the face of the earth. Nothing else even comes close. There are more Christians than there are people in China, people in Europe, and people in the United States combined. How did a ragtag group of 120 people make it so far? How did it spread so fast and so far that 2,000 years later, one-third of the humans on the planet are putting their faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How did this happen? The answer is pretty simple. The resurrection happened. After Jesus was taken down from the cross, he was dead. The, the, the Roman soldiers that killed Jesus, they were professional executioners. They knew a dead person. Most people, when they were crucified, they'd have to go up and they'd have to break their legs to try to expedite the dying process. But with Jesus, they got to him and they said, we don't even need to break his legs. The man is already dead. And they, they, they took him off the cross and they rolled him up and they put him in a tomb. And when that happened, all the disciples, Jesus's closest friends, they all ran and hid. They were depressed. They were full of despair. They were discouraged and they thought they'd been defeated. And their minds are racing to, how am I going to go back home and pick up all the pieces of my life that I left behind? This was a three-year waste of time. But something happened. And this group of people went from a hiding, depressed group that felt defeated to being a courageous and contagious 
group of people that were filled with hope that changed the world. And so what happened, friends, the resurrection happened. The resurrection of Jesus is the most significant event in the history of the world. Jesus told his followers beforehand, I'm going to die. He predicted his death and his resurrection multiple times, but for whatever reason, they just didn't understand that it was going to happen this way. They weren't remembering all of his predictions when he was in the grave. He definitely died, but it's his resurrection that makes his death count. It's the resurrection that proves that Jesus really was who he said he was, that he really was God, and that he really can forgive sins. The Bible's pretty clear, and, and you're a smart group, I'm sure. So you'll agree with this, but if the resurrection didn't happen, then we are all wasting our time. I am wasting my life, and we are just wasting our time. But if it happened, if the resurrection of Jesus happened, if he really did die and he really did resurrect, well, then it changes everything for everyone. A few years after the resurrection, a guy by the name of Paul, he was a first century Christian missionary, spent the first half of his life trying to shut down the news of the resurrection, has an encounter with Jesus, his life changes in a moment, and then he spends the second half of his life telling everybody that the resurrection really happened. So he goes to a church called Corinth. And he preaches about the resurrection, this, the, or he, he preaches about Jesus and his life and, and what he did. And, and he kind of summarizes it with this. He says that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day. And 2,000 years later, I'm saying the same thing. And there's about 700,000 people in Columbus this morning hearing that same message that Christ died for our sins. He was buried and raised on the third day. But then Paul does something pretty smart. And I think, I think that every pastor who's preaching today ought to, ought to do the same thing as Paul. Paul acknowledges that not everybody listening to him agrees with that. He acknowledges that not everybody's just going to listen and, and, and take, it, take him at his word. So Paul, Paul tries to try to explain to these Corinthians how crucial the resurrection of Jesus is. These are some of the things that Paul says. He goes, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. In other words, if the resurrection didn't happen, then this is a waste of time. I'm wasting my life, you're wasting your time, and your faith in Jesus, it, it really has no point if the resurrection didn't happen. Then he says, more than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Jesus from the dead. So not only is our faith useless, but we're liars trying to drag other people into this hoax. If somebody invited you today to, to this service just to kind of come check things out, if the resurrection didn't happen, that person's wasting your time and they owe you lunch. But if the resurrection did happen, then that's different. Verse 17, Paul keeps going. He goes, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. None of this makes any sense, and you're still stuck far from God. It says, 18, those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If the resurrection didn't happen, then nobody's in heaven. 
Nobody that we love who has passed away is in a better place if the resurrection didn't happen. They're still lost. Verse 19, this is a big verse. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. In other words, if all we get out of Christ is a little inspiration for a few years, we're a pretty sorry bunch. What a giant waste of time if the resurrection didn't happen. But Paul has one more thing to say. He acknowledges that if it isn't true, then we're wasting our time. But then in verse 20, he says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. He is risen indeed. I think that's where we get it. If the resurrection never happened, then we're all wasting our time. But if it did, it changes everything for everyone. And if it did, death has been defeated. If he is risen, well, then we can be too. So here's, here's a question I'm, I'm asking every person in the room, whether you've been to church a thousand times, or this is your first time, where are you at on all that? What do you think? Do you think that he really did come back from the dead? There's a lot of arguments out there saying that, oh no, he never really died. He was in a coma. Somebody stole the body. There's, there's a lot of ideas out there. Where are you at? What do you think? Do you believe this is true? It's not a topic that we can ignore. We're logical enough to see that every person has to have a response to the claims that Jesus Christ rose from the dead because if he did, then he really is God and he is, really is worth following. Now, I have to be honest, I was a little surprised when I read this account. It's actually the same, uh, same account that Chris and Abigail were reading a little bit earlier from the book of Luke about the resurrection of Jesus and kind of what happened when they found out. You remember uh, Abigail read that the women, they ran to the tomb and they had the spices and the stone was rolled away, right? And they walk inside and, and they're going, Jesus isn't even here. There's, there's no dead body to put the spices on. And then two angels appear and they fall down because they're, they're scared to death. And they say, why are you looking for the living among the dead? I was a little surprised, to be honest, at how the disciples reacted to the lady's story. I figured these guys are big Jesus fans. They're probably just going to take the, women's, the women at their word. And that's not actually what happens. I'm wondering if you are as surprised as me to find out that when the women come back and tell the disciples, this is, this is how they react. When they came back from the tomb, talking about the women, they told all these things to the 11, that's the disciples, and to all the others. That's this kind of group of Jesus followers. They're all hiding. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of Jesus, and the others with them who told the apostles. They said, the stone wasn't there, the body wasn't there, the angels appeared to us, and they said, he is risen. And look what the disciples say. They did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. They didn't believe them. They checked their watches and they thought, is it April 1st? Because this is a sick joke. I imagine that they wondered if the women had been drinking or if the stress of the last couple days had, had warped their minds to be thinking things that weren't clear. They didn't believe him. It sounded like nonsense. They saw him die and they heard him say it is finished. And they watched him get put in the tomb. And at first they thought, 
This is nonsense. See, if, if they had heard that somebody else had risen from the dead, they might have believed it because Jesus had done that before. They had seen Jesus raise people from the dead before. He had that kind of power, but, but he can't raise himself from the dead. They don't have Jesus to raise Jesus from the dead. And so they go, this is impossible. And that highlights all of the different responses that people in the Bible had to this news that Jesus had come back from the dead. Think about one of the disciples. His name was Thomas. Thomas doubted it even more than the other guys. He wasn't there when Jesus appeared to them and asked for the fish to eat. And so Thomas is going, you guys are nuts. Some people doubted that it was true. Some people were hostile towards it. I, I mentioned Paul earlier. He authorized the imprisonment and the killing of people that believed in the resurrection. Some people, they, uh, did, they just denied it. The religious and the political leaders, they said that this isn't true and they were doing everything they could to tell everybody that the disciples were liars. And then some people just dismissed it. In fact, listen to this. Tell me if you think this is true today. There were some churches in the New Testament. They wanted to be Christians. They wanted to follow Jesus. But they thought, ah, the resurrection, that's a little far-fetched. And so they just decided, we don't necessarily want our faith to kind of hinge on that, so we're going to dismiss that. We think we can get more people to come to our church if we compromise a little bit. And I see all of those things happening now, right? People doubt that it's true. They deny it. They dismiss it. They're hostile towards it. They, they go, ah, that's not as important. But perhaps, perhaps, the best three-verse summary in the New Testament of the responses of people to this news of the resurrection is in Acts chapter 17. I've already mentioned this guy a couple times, Paul. Paul, first century Christian missionary, goes to this big city called Athens. And it's an important city now. It's an, it's an even more important city in the world at that point. And people in Athens have heard about Paul. They've heard about Jesus. They've heard you know, it, you know, Paul, why don't you come and tell us for yourself? Because we're not real sure. We're on the fence about this resurrection thing. And so Paul comes into town and he preaches about Jesus. And he says, Jesus was God. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus can forgive your sins. And then this is the last line of his sermon. He says, God has given proof of all of this to everyone by raising Jesus from the dead. And he holds out the microphone and he just drops it. He says this whole thing hinges on the resurrection. If it didn't happen, get out of here. I'm crazy. You're wasting your time. But if it happened, you're logical enough to, to, to see that it changes everything for everyone. Okay, so after he drops the microphone and says this whole thing hinges on the resurrection, this is what the people, this is how they responded. See if you can pick out all three responses in these three verses. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. But others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. And at that, Paul left the council, but some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. 
Did you pick them out? Some of them sneered. Some of them wanted a little bit more information. And some of them believed. Let's think about all three groups and let's think, man, isn't it, isn't it, aren't they the same responses that people have today to the claims that Jesus is God and came back from the dead? Some of them sneered. They just mocked Paul. They laughed at Paul. They said, get off the stage, man. You've been brainwashed. Nobody in their right mind can believe this. Any logical or intelligent person won't accept this fable as true. How could anybody really believe this? But here's a question that I would have to those people. Was there really a great alternative theory given some of the facts that they knew? Multiple, many accounts, both Jesus following and secular. All, the, the facts are that the tomb was empty. Even Jesus' enemies admitted that. 500 people saw Jesus alive after he was killed. And people say, well, the women went to the wrong tomb. And I just think, did nobody think to correct him? And people go, well, the, uh, the, the Pharisees stole the body. The religious leaders, they stole the body. And I think, well, if I was a Pharisee and I stole the body, I just would have shown on the body on the fourth day and say, see, he's still dead. He was a liar. So why didn't they just do that? And then I think about the disciples. And I hear, oh, well, they, they stole the body. And, and just keep in mind, these are the disciples that were running and hiding and fearing for their lives. I just don't think it's likely that under the nose of armed Roman guards that they would have been able to do this. This same group of people, think about this, the group of people who ran and hid because Jesus had been killed, they're regretting that they ever even followed him. Every single one of them went to their death claiming that Jesus resurrected from the dead. They were martyred or exiled for their faith in Jesus. So the simple question I'd ask is, what do you think changed? What changed in all of them at the same time? I think the only logical answer is that Jesus really did come back from the dead. And there's other excuses, and there are many more rebuttals to all of those excuses. And yet there were people who mocked Paul, and there, were, there are people now who mock me or, or mock anyone who follows Jesus and says, you really believe that? You really believe that? And to, to, to those people that say that, I would, just, I would just ask you, isn't this worth considering? Because you're right, if it isn't true, well then who cares? But if it is true, isn't this worth thinking about? This is not something that we can afford to be wrong about. But others said, second group, we want to hear you again on this subject. Some wanted to know more. They wanted to think and examine this a little bit. Could it be true? Because if it is, I want in. This is essentially what the disciples thought, right? Even Jesus' closest disciple, his, his, his name was John. And John, even him, he had to go to the tomb himself and he walked in and he saw that it was empty and then it says he believed. He needed a little bit more information. Belief often takes time and consideration. You can't just put on faith at will. 
The call to be a Christian isn't a call to have thoughtless, blind faith. No, God created us with the ability to think and reason and investigate and learn. And and I just want you to know that if you find yourself feeling that way, if you find yourself coming in here going, man, I'm not totally out, but I'm not totally in. I need a little bit more information. I just, I need you to hear me say that this church, there is room for the question asker. And there's room for the skeptic. We've got a lot of them in here. If you have questions, welcome to the club. There's a lot of people who have doubts, who have questions, who who are uncertain, who want a little bit more information. And there is room for you in this church. But let me tell you this too. If you're waiting for all of it to make sense, if you're waiting for every answer to be, you know, you just have no more questions, well, then you're going to be waiting for the rest of your life because there is a faith part of this. There is a, I'm going to let go of control and just choose to believe in this. I, I mean, I have friends in this church who, I, I was thinking about uh, Cody Kerr. I think he's sitting back over there. I saw him standing there earlier. I just think about you, man, coming in here two years ago on Easter Sunday with questions. And God has opened your eyes. I don't know if anybody in this church has been as encouraging as you have been to me. Like your faith and what you speak over my life, man. You, you have just grown into an amazing godly friend for me. We, we, we're allowed to ask questions. We're allowed to want to investigate more. But there does come a point where we can't just say, you know, I'm feeling spiritually apathetic and I don't really want to figure it out. And so I'm just going to use this line to say, oh, I'm still figuring it out to kind of cover over that apathy. At some point, you jump in and you say, I'm going to give this a shot. And here's the last group. Some of the people that Paul spoke to became followers of Paul and believed. So not only they believed in Je- not only did they believe that Jesus rose from the dead, but they put their faith in him as their personal savior. And that's the moment when they believed that their sins were forgiven and that they were saved. Paul, same guy, wrote another letter. I know I'm talking about him a lot and jumping all over the place, but he wrote another letter to the Romans. Talked to people in Athens, talked to people in Corinth, talked to people in Rome. And when he wrote to the Romans, this is what he wrote. He, he wanted to make sure that he was clear on this. He said, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And there are so many people in here who have done this, who have declared it with their mouths who believe it in their hearts that Jesus is Lord, that God really did resurrect Jesus from the dead and we will be saved. And and those of us that call ourselves Christ followers, we're not going to be saved because we're good. We're not going to be saved because we donated to charity. We're not going to be saved because we tried not to cuss. We're not going to be saved because we were nice to our neighbors. We're going to be saved We're not going to be saved because we are good. We're going to be saved because he is good and we believe in him. And I am so grateful. I mean, I was just sitting back there when we were singing, just praising God that this is not a solo mission, that I'm not the only Christian here. I'm just, I'm looking around and and I'm, I'm seeing people in the hallway and I'm going, man, there's something that bonds us together that is like nothing else. We share a faith that he is risen I'm just so grateful to be a part of a church that believes that. And some sneered and 
Some wanted to hear more, and some believed. So as you've heard this story, and as you heard what Paul said in Athens, and you see that crowd, you know, three different groups of people, some just like, that's ridiculous. And some go, that's interesting. And some go, that's for me. Question for you, which, which group do you relate to the most? Which one resonates with you? I want to I kind of close with uh, an illustration. It's, it's one that I've seen before, and I think maybe even one that I've done before, but I think it'll help in what I'm trying to share. So I want you to imagine for a second that this, uh, that this rope is a timeline of your existence. And I want you to imagine that it goes on forever. It really stops over there behind the curtain. But, you know, play, with, play along with me here. It goes forever. Forever and ever and ever. And it's a timeline of your existence. So this is when you're born, right here. And then this exists forever. And so this red part here this would represent your life here on earth. Where you have a few short years here, and then eternity somewhere else. Because forever. And what blows my mind, if I'm just being honest, what blows my mind is how consumed we are with the red part. It's all we think about. And to the point where we even go, okay, if I work really hard right here, then I'll probably, I'll be able to buy my first house right there and I'll build my career. And then if I get over here, maybe we, I could be comfortable and travel. And we just, I mean, we're just consumed thinking about the red part. I, I, I can relate. And the truth is, and you don't need the Bible to tell you this part, the red part ends for everybody. And nobody has any idea really when it's going to end. And when it does, there are no do-overs. I'm, I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm not trying to scare you or woo you. I'm just trying to lay this out for you that the Bible says, the Bible says that what you believe about Jesus and the resurrection during the red part determines where you spend all of the white part. What you believe when... when in the same way that when Paul went to Athens and he said, this is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus did. And he made this invitation. Do you want to follow him? Do you want to commit your life to Jesus? And some sneered and said, there's no white part. There's no red part. And then some were like, tell us more. We want to come back tomorrow. We want you to keep talking. And then some people said, I'm in. I need to start thinking about that white part. church isn't your thing and you're here because somebody just you're just here to make somebody happy you've got to admit that we can't get this wrong we, we, we can't get this part wrong that this is worth considering because if it's true I agree with you that if, if the resurrection didn't happen and Jesus isn't who he says he is then I agree this is this is ridiculous 
But if it's true, I just think it's worth considering. And so to that first group, if you resonate with group number one and you say, this is ridiculous, this is nonsense, this is folklore, all I'm asking, here's the thing. First of all, I'm sorry, because my guess is that somebody who claimed to represent Christ misrepresented Christ and, and just hurt you in a way that Christ didn't want you to be hurt. And for that, I'm sincerely sorry. And the other thing I'll say is that I think that you should think about this. I think that you should consider whether or not this could be true, because if it is, if it is. And then to that second group, to those that are going, I need a little bit more information. I've got two invitations for you. The first one is we're here every single Sunday at 10 o'clock. We usually just have one service and we sing songs and we teach in the Bible and we pray and and we have church. And and this would be a place that you could start to get some of those questions answered. I I don't know if, I don't know if it's going to work if it's, if it's just a Christmas and Easter thing. I think that if you're in that boat of going like, I need a little bit more information, I want to invite you back. I want you to come back next week. You could bring a bag of food for Grin and then that'll make you feel good as you do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want you to come back and and figure this out. And here's the second invitation to that group that's in the middle. Here's the second invitation. I want to invite you to make a decision today to follow Jesus. For, for every person who's in here who is a Jesus follower, there was a moment where it just clicked and they were in and they said yes to Jesus. And I want to make that invitation to you. This is, this is the beginning of the rest of your life. And it's really the beginning of the rest of this. And I I just, I want you to get this right. And I want to make that invitation to you to get right with God. I'm going to pray a prayer for you. And coincidentally, and on purpose, actually, on purpose, I'm going to pray the same prayer that is on that letter that is being given to the kids. Because I, I want to emphasize that you don't have to have a master's degree in theology to be a Christian. You don't have to know all the answers to be a Christian. So I'm going to pray the same prayer for you that we're, we're inviting six and seven-year-olds to pray today because it's simple. And I'm going to pray it, and then I'll give you just enough time to kind of echo it in your heart. You can say it out loud. You can say it in your heads. You can whisper it under your breath. God hears all of them. So would everybody in the room, would you guys bow your heads and allow me to just pray this sinner's prayer, this prayer for salvation. And if you're in that middle group and you want to jump all in with Jesus, I invite you to echo it with me. God, I know I've done things that you don't want me to do. I've sinned and can't be good enough on my own to be in your family. But you sent Jesus and I believe that he died on the cross and came back to life to forgive me for my sins. I want to be with you forever, God. And so today I choose to follow Jesus. Amen.
Amen. And to that third group, if you are, uh, if you are a believer, if you believe that Jesus is resurrected, if you really did come back to life, then friends, I, I want to give you a chance this morning as we respond here with one more song to celebrate. Would you guys stand where you're at? I, I just want to make this invitation. You and I both know that life isn't perfect or easy, but we can take heart that death has been defeated. We don't have to worry or wonder and go, oh, how is this all going to shake out? Because we know how it's going to shake out. Death has been defeated. The tomb is empty. And so, friends, I, I just want to invite you as we sing this song to sing it from the depths of your soul. If you feel so inclined, put your hands in the air and praise King Jesus. After church is over, go eat a donut in celebration. Because he is risen. He's, he wasn't in the grave. Death has been defeated. God has given us victory through Jesus. And so we can take heart. We can have hope. We can sing from the depths of our soul. And we can celebrate Easter together because death has been defeated. Because he lives, so can we. Will you pray with me? God, we are so grateful for the resurrection of Jesus. I, Joel Trainer, believe in it. I believe that you came back from the dead. I believe that you are in heaven and you're waiting for us. God, for the people in here who, they're not all in on this. Father, I pray that you would pique their curiosity and, and Lord, that you would draw them near and that you would open their minds and their eyes to see that this is real. For those people in here who want a little bit more information, God, I pray that you would wake them up next Sunday to come back and hear more. For those that prayed to receive Christ a couple minutes ago, Lord God, would you just allow their hearts to be so full of joy today because their sins have been forgiven. And for all of us in the room, God, you're the king. Whether we believe it or not, you are the king. The resurrection really happened and death is defeated. And so that is why we sing in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, to give online, or to attend a service, visit threecreekschurch.com.